Hey, everyone, and welcome to a brand new long overdue episode of Vodka O'Clock Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Love, and you can sponsor the show and the rest of my work at patreon.com slash Amber Unmasked. Um, it's really super helpful if you do that. I send out weekly stories about the um, the Cats Detective Agency, of course, the Winchester <laughs> New York Detective Agency. Um, and uh, you can also, t- you know, support me by telling people about the show and about my work and my books. Um, I am hoping to start a new one very soon. So, um, so we'll get to talk about the writing process with my friend who I have not talked to in so stupidly long. Monty Nero is joining me from across the pond, as we say. Hello, Hi, Amber. Monty. Hi. So it's you've been working on the same uh comic book for quite some time now because that was how we first met was yeah death, death sentence yep death sentence yep that was when it uh, first came out you were one of the uh first people i talked to about it i think yeah and now you're a superstar well it's all relative it's it's gone quite well and um i'm really pleased to be working on it again and how many volumes is this the third one now this is the third one yeah um but I've already I finished writing it a while ago, so uh, I'm already busy on the fourth one. Um, and the what happens in this next series is uh, really quite transformative for the main character Verity and um, the story itself. So by the time we get to the fourth one, which is just the most exciting story I think I've ever written, so I'm uh, I'm very excited to to get this out there and uh, to have people start reading it um, next month. The first issues will be going out to people next month. Well, it's, it's been such a journey because we are like Verity, as, as you mentioned, um, is one of the core characters from the very beginning. Yeah. And there's, uh, there's a few that, that are still in, in the volume as, as we speak, Jeb and Weasel. And then there's a slightly newer character who was not back in issue originally. Issue yeah. Roots. Name is Roots. Yeah. And she's pretty magnificent. So yeah. we're going to have to dive into each of these characters because Verity, um, what a strange superpower she has. <laughs> yeah, she does. And uh, it's getting stranger as she gets more powerful. It's getting, getting uh, more and more kind of unusual the way it's expressed um i don't know if you've seen the cover yeah you've seen the you've seen the cover to the new issue so uh, it's a very eye-catching color very colorful it's got her in the middle and then all these amazing graphics around the outside of her uh which is sort of graffiti style and uh, the way that her power is going to manifest is it's going to it's going to use a lot more of that kind of um imagery because she's kind of like manipulating the infrared spectrum but she's creating all this beautiful artwork out of it um and and uh in order to do that um she's able to use some of the more deadly kind of um um, levels of it you know the non-visible light stuff um that uh that uh, is quite damaging to people and she can sort of wrap that up in like a cute little kind of um i don't know anything she wants like a smurf (laughs) Yeah, or something, and then it looks like yeah, little anime guy might come over and yeah, it looks like the cutest thing in the world, but it will kill you in like ten seconds. So, so it's like this real um, unusual mix of um, of um, of elements, and um, yeah, just just try. uh, Generally, what we try and do with Death Sentence is take any sort of situation and put a put a fresh spin on it, do something new with it, 
Um, and that's kind of like the ethos of the whole book, really. Well, I think we need to talk about the title, Death Sentence, and what that means. Yeah. People, people might not know if you're just... That's right, yeah. It's a sexually transmitted virus that kills you in six months. But it gives you these incredible powers. So it tends to be anything that you're already good at. You get like you know, genius ex- exponentially much better at, or you get like an extra normal ability to do it. Um, and uh, then you can start to express and fulfill yourself, but you've only got six months left until you're dead. So it kind of, it creates a, a, a quite a stress, stressful pressure cooker situation. And um, that's the situation Verity is in the middle of as we speak. Yes. And I think, I mean, I think that poses a really interesting question to people like, you know, would you, would you risk getting an STD if you had six months to live, but you got, you know, to, to change the world? You could now, fulfill, saving, yeah. you could fulfill yeah. your, you know, yeah. a, a, some sort of fantasy because uh, as, as we are at this point in volume three, we see that the, you know, well, going all the way back to issue number one, uh, the government is none too pleased or they're, they're, yeah, initially, initially they're trying to manage it in, in quite a in quite a um, sensible way. Um, but then, as as people become more powerful and more um, difficult to sort of manage, um, they get they get scared and they start overreacting. And then right. certain elements within the government start start um, exploiting that to kind of in- introduce some quite um, oppressive policies and it ties in with like the militarization of the police and uh, all this kind of horrible stuff that when I wrote it I just thought like oh this is science fiction but <laughs> when when you've seen how the world's gone over the last six years it's um it's uh you realize it's not science fiction at all it's it's not science fiction anymore no, no. not at all yeah um and because you know there it's one thing to think about um uh, the use of robotics with making people faster, stronger, and more powerful. There's, that's certainly, you know, that's always being worked on. And some of it is remarkable. And it's to help people, um, you know, maybe if they've lost the use of an appendage or something, or if there's a disease yeah. otherwise stricken their body and they don't have the strength to do it. But when it's all weaponized is when we start getting into some questions i mean there's always ethical questions medically speaking too you know not everybody yeah. needs to be you know people don't aren't looking for a cure they're just looking to have a regular life exactly i think that's one of the key things with the story is you know in most of these kind of stories people are trying to be heroes um in this story people are just trying to live their own life and um verity is uh only really getting involved in these larger sort of situations because people are people are coming to her and not letting her get on and live her own life um which is what she wants to do so so this story is going to kind of resolve that whole thing um it's very very uh um explosive and sort of climactic in all the kind of stuff that happens over the next six issues uh especially the first issue you can see there's a hell of a lot of action in the first issue as well as a lot of the kind of personal development of her of her character, but by the time we get to the end of this story, um, certain things will have happened, and she'll be she'll be much more able to focus on her personal kind of situation in the next book, which is why I'm so excited about getting to the next book because uh, we'll be able to do all kinds of things with her character that are 
been there from the beginning, but we've not had the space to kind of explore them because there's been all this other exciting stuff going on. Yeah, I'm trying to not ask the question that I want to the answer to. <laughs> just smile myself. Um, well, yeah, what, what are the, one of the main things is is that she's pregnant. Um, at the end yeah. of the last story, we found out she was pregnant. She doesn't know she's pregnant yet. But obviously, yes. with her only having six months to live and being pregnant, that raises some really worrying questions. And uh, it's, it's very kind of... Uh, dramatic and upsetting kind of situation that she'll find herself in and how she deals with that is is kind of a part of what's going to happen but also everything that happens in death sentence it's kind of uh ultimately it's very sort of vibrant and um upbeat and entertaining story um it's kind of an interesting balance because we never kind of we don't um you have to embrace the reality of the situation that all these people are dying in in sort of uh, six months, and uh, you know you can't um, you can't uh, skip over that. Or, or 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 I think a lot of the emotional power comes from the fact that we do embrace that very very fully. But at the same time, their kind of reaction to it. I mean, really, we're all dying, so you know we don't all sit around moping about it every day, do we? We we get on and live our lives and try and do what we can in the time that we've got, and. Um, uh, she's uh, making a very sort of positive series of choices to sort of try and find out who she is and do the right thing by by herself and the people that she loves. But one of the things that you just mentioned that's uh-huh. really unusual for superhero stories is that they die. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that, you know, every death that we've seen in comics from Captain America to Batman and Superman, they, you know, death is not death. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's really important. I think that's one of the main reasons people love people that love this book. One of the main reasons they love it is you don't get any of this stuff you get in other superhero books or superpowered books where, you know, you get a story and then, you know, after three issues, the artist changes. And then, you know, after six issues, there's some major event across the line that the whole story kind of disappears for a bit or gets kind of blown sideways by something else that's happened that's supposedly more important. And all that I ever did when I read superhero comics was stop me buying the title because I was like, well, I was really enjoying that story. <laughs> and now you just blitzed it with some massive intertitle crossover that I don't care about. And now I'm just right. going to not buy that book because I was you've ruined the story that I was enjoying. And, and that's not respectful to me as someone that's just spent, you know, £24 buying every issue of this comic. So so um, it's like a very consistent and cohesive world. The characters all have, you know, deep, um, emotionally kind of uh, credible kind of um, three dimensions. And uh, their, their stories kind of develop we only really concentrate on three at a time in any one sort Mm -hmm. of uh, graphic novel and their stories all kind of develop in a really quite intricate but quite believable way and then um you know nothing gets kind of like um you don't get cheated on anything so if someone's dead they're dead you know there's no coming back from the dead it's not that kind of world um so it's very it feels emotionally a lot more powerful as a result um, I mean, I love all the kind of standard superhero action kind of stuff, but to me, it's kind of meaningless unless there's an emotional sort of punch and a core to it. So that's um, what kind of works, I think, was for people with the with the graphic novel. Absolutely, and um, 
uh, we, we wouldn't even be having this kind of story without the artist on board, Martin. Is it Simmons or Simons? Simmons, yeah. Martin Simmons. Yeah, amazing. It is, holy shit, breathtaking all the time and so psychedelic yeah. and colorful. It's, it so, glows, doesn't it? It really glows. Yeah. So it, it really does. Um, it reminds me of, um, what's his face from Tank Girl? Yeah, it's, Jamie Hewlett. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so bright and yeah, it's and it's, like you said, it's, it's very rare to get a painter that can actually do the sequential stuff really well. And uh, like you say, it's got that kind of graphic kind of impact of someone like Jamie Hewlett, but it's also all beautifully painted. And I think this is actually some of the best stuff he's ever done because he paints like this. He's doing covers for Marvel at the moment, and he paints like this on the covers. But naturally, as he's kind of developed his career, the fact that you know you need to create a certain number of pages every month to work in comics you know is yeah. the the art style he's doing for some other companies now is kind of a little bit simpler um and what he was doing here was he was really discovering all these amazing things that he could do like with the uh, the way he was painting the comic and he really put a hell of a lot into it and i think it's his best artwork you know it's really amazing and i'm an artist myself so i always tend to work with people that do things i can't do and I just look at his pages and I just think, I, I don't know how you did that. It's just amazing. It's really beautiful. And uh, I'm just thankful that you did. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's such a great pairing um, because of the story, because of the character like Verity. Uh, you know, it really comes through. And at the same time, when it is more subdued and we get into the other characters who are not artists um, or maybe, you know, the singer and whatnot. Yeah. Um, You've got like an artist, a singer, a comedian. Uh, Roots is a drug dealer, but she's got these kind of like weird kind of uh, plant powers, which she initially uses to grow some really fine quality marijuana. Um, And then, um, yeah, you've got uh, Jeb, who is, um, he he doesn't have the virus. He's trying to find out what the hell's going on. And it's kind of like a espionage situation where he's kind of infiltrated himself into this... um, island um off the coast of uh, scotland in the uk where they're kind of mm, developing and researching the virus and he's trying to find out what the hell's going on um which is a yeah. really interesting part of the story it gets really really tense and really exciting um trying to like follow him and all the weird weird things that are happening on the island it's very much that's very much kind of inspired i love stuff like um prisoner and uh the old avengers series and mm-hmm. that whole thing has got that kind of vibe of a kind of like weirdness kind of like tense espionage weirdness so you get like agents and stuff but they're not like it's not straight james bond stuff it's uh it's got a kind of like more of an eccentric twist to it and it's kind of a little bit yeah. uh uncanny know, there's like... a lot of uncanny kind of feel to it it's quite <laughs> spooky yeah, they they need their secret lair in an island, of course, or a volcano or something. Yeah, like yeah, it's it's and the the Scottish coast. I don't know if you've ever been there. You should definitely go. It's absolutely stunning, and it just lends this beautiful credibility to it all. It's um, went up there when my wife was pregnant. Um, she wanted to go for like a walk because she was just bored out of her mind when she was eight and a half months pregnant, and she wanted to go do stuff instead of lying around. So we went up to the north coast of Scotland and found all these incredible, beautiful golden beaches and aqua blue kind of bays and obviously it's all quite cold but it's just totally stunning and it's actually one of the least populated parts of of uh, europe 
Um, so it's a it's a very very um, remote kind of place, and you can sort of imagine all kinds of strangeness going on there. And that's why they filmed Star Wars. There. Yeah, it's used for all kinds of uh, all kinds of um, odd things. You also get a lot of um, armed forces testing up there because because it's you know remote. Um, it's the only place I think where the army, the navy, and the air force all all get together to do you know, their war games, um, which is quite alarming. And you can see it sometimes when you're standing on some cliff thinking, oh, what a beautiful, quiet part of the world. And then suddenly, <laughs> literally like a pitched battle will just unfold sort of on the horizon and all these sort of ships will steam into view and the, all these soldiers will come and storm an island or something. It's quite surreal. That's, oh, God, that's scary. It is, yeah. 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 So, so what's the discussion between you and Martin then when, um, when we shift from – uh, a scene with somebody like Verity who's got all of these colorful artistic powers and then we shift to Jeb and the other you know the men in suits yeah you know where it's got to be dark and brooding what's the do you have a discussion or is you just like yeah him? I just I just <laughs> leave him to it because he's, he's brilliant um I mean I was very happy with how he kind of um realized the art powers of Verity I mean I think that's really fantastic and then all I said with the the Jeb stuff and the island stuff is I just want it to be really, really tense and really, really exciting. You know, lots of, uh, lots of, um, you want to, people that are into espionage and into sort of James Bond will not be disappointed because it's very um, exciting kind of um, sequence of, of events that happen. But um, at the same time, it's got that, that kind of twist that makes it interesting to me. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just uh, I can remember sending back maybe a couple of panels, just saying, just kind of need to see a different angle there to make it. Um, doing a lot of storytelling at that point, just visually, rather than um, with visuals and sound effects, you know, because you're trying to get that really sort of quiet, tense, creeping around. Oh, what's going to happen next? And then when it does kick off, it's all the more kind of exciting because it's a contrast to all the quietness that's gone before. There's a really excellent um, escape sequence in that in that sequence as well so it goes over two issues i really wanted to nail it whenever i do anything like that i really want to sort of explore how does this work in comics you know how can we use the unique tools of comics to make this amazing and then uh, really sort of go for it so you got basically two issues of all kinds of cool stuff happening with jeb on the island um, are you you're doing the lettering yourself? Right? Yeah, yeah. It's hard. Lettering is hard. It gave me a lot of respect for um, for letterers. Um, it's um, something I've started doing more and more of because I just find that um, it's so key to making the comic fantastic. You know, the interplay between the words and the images is everything, and you can explain it in a in a script. But then, obviously, you're working with other people, and they don't always. Um, do things the way you were expecting, which often you can fix by just sort of rearranging things afterwards, um, re re redoing the dialogue or redoing the captions or re-lettering something. Or maybe yeah, because it's probably easier to change. Yeah, that's your first option because you know that's the easiest thing to do, as long as it doesn't yeah, damage yeah. the story. Sometimes it makes the story better. Um, or you can ask, you know, if that's not working, you can ask to get something redrawn. Um, you say, look, this really doesn't work the way it needs to. Um, but I just find that um, what I'm doing with my other comics is I'm just I'm drawing and lettering them and, and writing them. 
and then you're just sort of throwing it down on the page and it changes the way you make the comic because you're making it actually just making the comic on a comic page rather than writing a script and you're just sort of dialoguing and you're, you're doing things that are expressed through images and then you're realizing that okay well i don't need to say anything else about that because it's all in the image and i can just do something else with the with the with the words something that uh, i wasn't originally thinking of and you can sort of take it to another level um which is really exciting so um I've been doing that with a. Are you kidding? You don't do? Do you outline? Or um, I've got um, I've got a script. So um, I write, I write, I write. I work out. I always work out the plot of everything before I start. Um, and then in this particular case with this other comic that I'm doing, which is called Hollow Monsters, um, I um, I I have the plot and I've written all the dialogue. So I know what all the everyone's saying all the way through the story. So it basically works like a sort of radio play. Um, and then I gave that to about 12 different people. Some of them just sort of friends and some were like writers in the industry and stuff. Um, a couple were producers as well. And I just said, look, is this any good? Because I didn't want to spend like years making a comic on a story that was just self-indulgent rubbish. Um, and they all seemed to say that it was good and it was worth doing. So... That was heartening. Um, and then, um, so what I do is I take that dialogue and I've got no instructions or idea. I've got ideas in my head, but I've got no clear instruction as to how what how many pages are involved or or how the action's going to break down. And then I just start drawing it and um, figuring out what works with the dialogue that I've written. And often I change things quite radically and other times I just sort of um, go through and just kind of make the dialogue work and sell the dialogue. So it's quite, it's quite an interesting process. And um, you can explore a lot of things about, you know, the science of how comics work because they're very, very odd. The When you actually boil it down, it's very strange the way comics work. And um, a lot of people that even write and make comics, they don't truly understand them. They're just sort of like using things that they know work because they've seen them work. But uh, they don't necessarily understand why it works or how it works. And uh, I found that myself in that situation. I mean, I've learned things um, since doing Death Sentence that I didn't truly understand. I knew they worked, but I didn't understand how or why and what the ramifications were and what else you could therefore do as a result. So I'm doing all that kind of stuff with Hollow Monsters. It's quite an unusual comic. Um, but then Death Sentence is much more a kind of straight entertainment with a lot of um, exciting kind of... Uh, twists on sort of uh, ideas you might see in other media other genres um it's kind of anytime something happens to try and just turn it on its head and make it more interesting um uh whereas hollow monsters is more kind of like just more exploring different ways of telling stories and, and using words and images and stuff like that well when you um talk about this the unique quality of comics and how uh, you know it's not the same as seeing a, a film obviously um or a painting i mean what what do you go to to get that education and to get those um those enlightening moments where you say i know this will work because yeah the, well, the great thing about um doing it this way writing drawing lettering doing it all yourself is you can just literally try something it doesn't even have to take too long because comics are usually better. The simpler you make the art, the quicker the line work is and stuff, the more expressive it is. And you can just say, like, well, that works. I totally get what's going on there. And I, I, it might not have been something that I would have been able to visualize unless I'd been sitting here and I just drew it. 
especially in Hollow Monsters, there's all kinds of things implied through just like subtle changes in light. There's a lot of scenes in forests. Um, there's a lot of mood changes that are very, very subtle. And um, you can just look at it and say, well, that totally works. That's kind of a total change and shift and mood and energy from one panel to the next. And I, it would be impossible to describe that to an artist, how to do that or how to, or how to, it'd be unreasonable to ask them to do something that kind of, that kind of um, nuanced. And then um, you can just sort of say, okay, well, well, this works transitions. You can try all sorts of different things with transitions. Um, uh, really just in, in the words do certain things on their own. The images can do certain things on their own. And then you can do all kinds of things. I think this is really the things that I'm trying to do in Hollow Monsters. There's things that you can only do in comics. You can't do them in novels and you can't do them in films and you can't do them in paintings. Um, so those are the things that I'm trying to like really put into Hollow Monsters. Um, and it's quite a lot of exploring of uh, different uh, techniques to get that, get that working. Often I'll take a scene and I might draw it two or three ways and then um you know they each have their own sort of qualities if you rely more on the verbal aspect or if you rely more on the visual aspect you get different kind of feelings and effects with the reader because we interpret words in a completely different way than we do images it's very very different you know the way our brain interprets those things yeah because language yeah, is a much true. more recent invention you know we've as as organisms that have evolved we've We've been able to see and interpret images since the very first kind of early part of our brain developing. It's a very, very quick and intuitive thing to interpret what an image means because you just, you know, you're not even thinking about it as you see things all around you. Uh, whereas language is something that's been learned relatively recently and it's much more of a sort of thinking process and a sort of cumulative process of interpreting a sequence that you then sort of derive meaning from. So it's a totally different way of understanding things. And um, that's the beauty, I think, and the power of comics is you've got that that kind of almost primal snake brain image kind of thing, which is very visceral. And then you've got the sort of more kind of contemplative and thoughtful verbal aspect with the words. And um, the two together you know, in, in the hands of talented people. It's a very, very, very powerful thing. And I think that comics, for that reason, are potentially the most powerful medium there is, you know, more powerful than film, more powerful than music, more powerful than uh, than uh, novels or prose. So I think, you know, the, there's some great graphic novels out there, but the industry is still in its infancy, you know, historically, if you look, as, it's, not, it's nowhere near as old as, old as say, novel writing or painting so there's still an awful lot of stuff to come i think for graphic novels and comics things that we're only just beginning to touch upon and um trying to do some of that with some of the work that i'm doing and, I, and it's interesting though because it, it might be in its infancy as far as commercialization and and getting out there but uh, you know, cave paintings were showing sequential yeah. art. Like this is the buffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how you hunt yeah. the buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. This, yeah, this it depends how you define a comic. You know, so, so, and obviously, this yeah. is a massive hmm. kind of question within yeah. academic circles. It's like, what do you consider a comic? So, yeah, there's an argument yeah. that you could say that a cave painting is a comic, or the Bayo tapestry is a comic, or you know, you know, the Egyptians yeah. were using comics. You can argue that. Um, and there's other people that say like, no, comics, comics. Uh, you know, started in the sort of uh, when the advent of paper and printing, and it has to be this kind of um, this kind of magazine format thing. Um, 
And now it's all changing anyway because of uh, devices. Yeah, it is changing. Yeah, and um, you get certain types of things with the the animation where it's to me it ceases to become a comic. It becomes something else. I mean, they're quite quite interesting, right. and there's crossover. But yeah, in between. Yeah, there's crossover, yeah. but it's not. There's a point where you animate it so much that it doesn't. It's no longer a comic, and um, I don't like mm-hmm. that. I like. I mean, I'm interested in it. I've done them. I've made them, but. I'm very much interested in pure comics, and I think there's a, the most exciting future for comics lies not in digital stuff and technology. I think it lies in actually exploring more about you know the pure um, form of how comics work. I think there's still loads of stuff to come in that area. And it's, um, I, I think the the way that you're thinking of comics anyway it feels so pure as opposed to um the way that my brain works because i'm like consuming yeah. it i've only written you know uh, you know a few things i've written like pa- just uh, literally a few pages compared to you know your your resume and it's as the consumer it's i do start thinking about well i really like this and i want more of it therefore i want it in a film and i want it in a tv show and i want i want to see these this universe in so many different ways just so i can keep consuming yeah. it and like being wrapped just wrapped up in it and um you know and so that's why you know we have successful shows like supergirl and and stuff but like green arrows yeah supergirl was really good Um, uh, my daughter loved that and uh, we used to watch it together so it's uh it's a great show and uh it's one of the hardest things to do is have that sense of uh optimism and kind of not be cynical about stuff and to make that kind of cool and popular and interesting is actually way harder than going the other route and you know being too cool for school so so i really like uh, comics and shows that yeah. pull that off and manage to do that and I've, I've written a i've written tried to write a few myself i did an x-men story earlier this year that had that kind of vibe and um i was very very pleased with it it was one of the one of the most fun things that i've done and crucially one of the only things my daughter can read because <laughs> a lot of my material is yeah. very much adults only and she's not allowed to read it Absolutely. Yeah, but it's so true because I remember, like, you know, the X Men cartoons, they were accessible and fun and not this grim, dark, edgelord stuff. And, and I mean, I like that. I, I think, I think there's a place and a time, like, there's a place for silly Batman and then there's a place for dark, brooding, dark night Batman. And you can have yeah. all of them. And, you know, it's, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, it depends on your mood, doesn't it? Sometimes you're you know, in the mood for one, sometimes the other. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes I just want the, you know, the Art and Franco silly little Titans, you know, books because I love those. And, um, you know, and other times you you want something more serious. And like Death Sentence, like you said, is is very much an adult book. It's fun, though. It's very fun. Yeah, it's very entertaining. Quite, It's very ribald and raucous and uh, disreputable. It's, uh, it's, so, yeah. it's, I was really surprised how popular it was because it's not anything you'd ever write thinking like, oh, this will be really popular with people. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite out there. And, uh, I think, you know, all the better for that. I, I love work where people are just making stuff that they want to make because they're into it. And, um, you know, where you've got overlapping tastes, you know, you really sense that kind of, 
enthusiasm and purity to it. Um, it's very infectious. So uh, I think that's the way to make comics. And that's, that's why I'm still making it. I'm still self-financing it. I mean, Titan published it, but I made um, Death Sentence independently with uh, Mike Dowling, the co-creator of the original graphic novel. Um, and um, and I think that's a really important part of it. Um, that's why we're doing it on Kickstarter at the moment um, is because we still want to, we don't want to have any publisher trying to tell us what we should be doing or, or, or that, right, or that that's right too much I'm... or that that's not enough or whatever it is they, right. whatever buttons they want to push or I'm really not interested. It's like we're making the comic and we'll do it the way we want to do it and we'll do it because we're really into what we're doing and that's the only way the comic's getting made. So, so having Kickstarter these days, it's a fantastic resource because it enables you to just say to people, look, this is what we're doing and, and they finance it or they don't, depending on if they're into it or not. And um, that way you can just make the comic you want to make. Yeah, and absolutely. And then the, there's, um, you know, accessibility to the creators like yourself. So that way, if something is, you know, of, you know offensive or upset someone they go right to you they don't yeah. need to you know there, there's no there's no twitter war there's no i mean like we are literally having a twitter a twitter war over batman's penis <laughs> this week. oh really like i mean yeah i've i mean i've been like offline for about five days and i come back and i'm looking at twitter and there's this big hoopla about whether or not dc is going to censor Batman's mm. penis in an issue. It's like, are we having yeah. this conversation for real? I managed to miss um, that one, and, and, uh, you know, and I, I don't think I, I don't think I'll be yeah. catching up on it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I try I try and keep out of all that stuff. I just 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 really making my own comics and then enjoying uh, the creators that I admire. And well, let's talk about that because um, you know, as much as I can, you know, I can see influences from you know, like through Martin's. Uh, visuals and through your story and stuff like it makes me think of certain people like Carl Slominski um, who's been on the, the show and he's had his own fits with the comic and yeah. as well um, where he, just, he just wants to you know make his art so um, what has you excited? Um, I'm really enjoying Seeds at the moment which is the David Adger Anasenti book um, over at Burger Books um, I always liked Anna Senti. I really loved her Daredevil run when I was uh, a kid. Um, I really thought it was a fantastic comic book. And um, that was with John Romita Jr. And it's just really, really well told. I mean, John Romita Jr. is a really good you know, storyteller visually. And she's a great writer. And the two seem to have a really good kind of uh, interplay. It was quite a long run. Um, and they're just really great examples of, you know, how to tell a superhero comic book with... with uh, with in a, in a in a comic um and then uh yeah i was kind of annoyed she didn't do more stuff after that um uh especially like higher profile stuff um so th but this book is um everything that i hoped it would be you know it's really really interesting it's got a good story good characters original sort of take on things and some uh interesting uh, ways of actually sort of conveying the story so um yeah that's that's uh that's really good Uh, yeah, and I think that there's um, it's it's interesting. I'm sorry, there's a really loud truck going by. Oh yeah, I can hear it. It sounds supersonic. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's interesting that it seems that uh, these big name creators 
are are really embracing the opportunities when they find them to make their own independent work yeah um because you know it's going to it's going to be one of those things where you love a marvel paycheck who wouldn't mm -hmm. but <laughs> but it's not going to be your story yeah i think it's great you can do that more and more in comics these days you know it's probably never been better as far as you know different ways you can make your own story and do your own comic so i always say to people you know if you're not happy with what you're reading make your own you know, it's not it's uh, it's not as hard as it used to be to get a comic um, together. Um, it's a lot easier to sort of find artists and writers and letterers, and it's a lot easier to get things financed, and it's a lot easier to get things distributed and uh, get publicity than it's ever been. So, so uh, yeah, it's a really exciting time to be making comics. It is. It is e easier and, and accessible in those ways, but it's also difficult in building an audience. Oh, yeah. Do you have any yeah. advice? For how do you find your audience? Um, it's really, really important um, to do something unique, <clears throat> which is what I originally tried to do with Death Sentence and what I'm doing with my other books that are out later this year. Um, try and do something unique. Don't copy anything. Um, by all means, you know, work within a genre you like or, or um, you know, um, a kind of story sphere that you, you've got a lot of affection for. But just find a way of doing it, a unique spin on it or a unique way of doing it. Because you've got to stand out. Like you say, the, the key thing is you have to stand out. Um, and then the second thing is it's because there's just so much stuff. It's not really being good isn't really enough anymore you have to be like outstandingly good so and that really is uh, just a lot of practice and effort and application um and a lot of uh, time i think a lot of people you can make comics quite quickly there's a certain bounce you get to a sort of comic page when it's made quite quickly uh, which is good but at the same time you've also got to have another part of your brain which is like analyzing it and just thinking could this be better and if you can find a way to make it better, that's the way to go. Because, because like I say, there are loads and loads and loads and loads of good comic books. So to stand out, you really need to be an outstandingly good comic book and just take that extra time to find ways to to do something in a new or interesting way that is going to really sort of excite people. So I think those two things are the, are the key things. Um, but even then, it's very hard, like you say, uh, it's very hard to to get any kind of publicity i always say to people distribution isn't the problem anymore you know you can distribute all kinds of different ways including you know digitally and online and you know through crowdfunding or whatever um distribution isn't the problem it's more like um getting noticed or publicity is the problem you know marketing your book getting people to actually notice it and pick it up and give it a go that's the problem so so i don't have any magic wand to <laughs> <laughs> to sort of do anything in that regard all i all i do is try and take solace in the in the first two things which is to try and do original stuff and try and do it in an outstandingly well uh in extended outstandingly good way and that sort of that's just it was almost like a crutch where i just think like well um so far because of that the rest of it has kind of um taken care of itself uh, to a certain extent in that you know people start to talk about the book and say that it's good and say to their friends that they should check it out and there's nothing really that you can't there's no fake 
there's no, nothing you can do. There's no point doing stunts or anything. There's no even like going viral. You see people obsessing about going viral. It's like it doesn't matter because it's a very fleeting and um, and um, it, it's it's not. It's, yeah, it's about fifteen minutes. And yeah, <laughs> and it's it's got no deep connection to what you're actually doing on a sort of day to day basis. It's just a a very transient and fleeting thing it doesn't have any deep roots in what you're doing so what has lasting value is making really really good comics and people reading that comic and thinking my god that was a really really good comic i want to read more of that, that guy's comics and then saying to their friend oh you've got to check out this comic it's a really really good comic and all that comes from just making just really really interesting and kind of good stuff and then that way you start to build a kind of genuine kind of word of mouth and a genuine kind of fan base and a genuine kind of excitement about your work whenever you release something. And it doesn't have to be on a big scale. You know, when you start off, you only really need like, you know, 50 people. Um, so they can be like, start off, you know, talking to your friends and acquaintances and people you work with and stuff um, and just build, you know, you'll know when something's working because people will tell you without you sort of uh, soliciting them, they'll start to tell you, look, this is really good and I want to read more. So so it's not really something you can fake. Um, or if you can fake it, it's not really going to have any lasting kind of value, I don't think. Right. And I think that's especially true because of how long it it takes for the whole production process to, like you said, you know, you got to spend all of this time on on the story and then on the art yeah. and then get come back to the lettering and then hope there's no changes and um so you know to put in something like a kickstarter every what are you doing every six months or every year yeah something like that every six months at the moment um this year so yeah. far anyway yeah. so you know people need to remember um you know they they need to remember what's good about it as opposed to like you said something yeah that was a gimmick yeah i mean i'm with this death sentence kickstarter that we've got going at the moment uh i'm sometimes i'm like talking to people that I, I haven't seen you know online for like four years or something but they remember really liking death sentence and they really want to read another one and it, so the, from that point of view the two sort of connections between them reading my last comic and then them wanting to read the new one it's like four years but they still remember so so you can't there's no advert you can make that's going to elicit that kind of reaction. It's kind of genuinely comes from people enthusing about the work. I mean, that's what works for me, but there's all kinds of ways people can be successful making comics. And I'm no expert, you know, I just, I just do what I do and it, it's working so far, but um, there are other things I'm sure people can do to, to get success and things. So I can't speak definitively on, on the subject. <laughs> Well, I think, yeah, I think, I think that there's like the little extras that you're allowed to do with Kickstarter, like the unlocking for milestones. I think that helps. I remember back in issue one, you, you know, you sent letters of like people's diagnosis oh, yeah, of yeah. Getting, <laughs> getting the virus. And, uh, and that was fun. That's, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't have fun. And you yeah. Can't, you, know, and you can't have these extras. No, it's important to have fun. One of the first things I did when I started making the comic was I made a website because um, it's a sexually transmitted virus. So I actually went onto the NHS website and they've got a section about sexually transmitted viruses. And I kind of made, I kind of um, took some of the content and then modified it to kind of start talking about um, 
G plus, which is the virus in my comic. And then I set up like a very credible sounding sexually uh, transmitted virus kind of health information page, which had really, really good information about, you know, how to deal with STDs. And it was all 100% accurate, apart from the one page that then started talking about this kind of extra normal kind of phenomena that you'd start getting if you caught this virus. Right. And the reason for reason for doing that, it wasn't to wasn't a stunt or it wasn't to sort of wind people up or to or to be mischievous or something it's just to me what i'm doing when i'm making a comic is i'm making a very real world and i want to kind of think through well how would this actually be dealt with in the real world and as part of that it was really useful to sort of make that that page and sort of think about it from that kind of point of view um and then it's so important yeah and then that really that really fed through to the first the first issue of the comic is like uh, death sentence book one which you can get on amazon or in your comic shop or in your bookshop or whatever um the first page is like a really great first page it really grabs you and it puts you right into this kind of really dramatic situation that verity finds herself in um and the reason why it's such a you know effective first page is because I'd already thought so deeply about this whole world and this character in the world and what it would be like to go to the doctors and what would happen. And I didn't have to sit there explaining it all to, to readers because I, I kind of, I knew I knew I could make it, I knew it was a credible world. So you can just sort of like cut down to the real character uh, expressing kind of most kind of dramatic moment. And because everything else kind of is implied around her that kind of feels very real, you don't need to explain it all in detail or kind of baby feed people stuff about what's going on because it's kind of, it feels real to me and it therefore feels really real to the reader. So, so that kind of process I think is really important as far as like in the end, you only write one page and it's like very quick, but, but the amount of thought and preparation you've done in building your world kind of, kind of seeps through in every page that you're making. And I think that's just a lot of what, um, people will react to when they read the comic because you don't get that kind of credibility from a lot of other stories. Some, some you do, but um, I think, I think writers that can think through their worlds with that kind of depth and clarity, I think it really comes across when you read their stuff. It's just amazing because I don't know anything really at all about the British <laughs> politics and the, the scene over there, but to tell you about how just batshit crazy it gets here um pages like you're talking about you know you're looking at the the government website for yeah. healthcare, and pages on our websites just like disappear because it's like the new administration doesn't want people to read that stuff oh anymore. yeah i, and it's I, I read about I mean, that it's getting, it's getting cached yeah, it's you know it's got to be archived and cached mm. somewhere, but um, yeah, but stuff just gets completely removed. So that like, especially if it has to do with the gay community, it's disgraceful. It just yeah, gets it's disgraceful. Yeah, I remember reading about that. It was deeply alarming, and um, you know, I, yeah. So, so I think you know, like you're talking about how it was unintentionally <laughs> truthful while being a, in a realistic world. Um, it's uh, it's not science fiction in that, in that degree. It's it's depressing. You know, especially over here when, when, you know, they start holding back on, on medicine and vaccines. um, Especially for targeted communities. Yeah. It's a horrible, horrible situation. 
And and that's, you know, I'm sure America is not unique in this situation because people in power do terrible yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've certainly had similar things, maybe not quite so extreme, but you've had similar things, various stages throughout uh, our history oh, as well. Yeah, we've done terrible things, terrible things to our minority communities. I mean, America is built on being terrible. And that's, you know, for, for as much as we love what we think we have, it's... um. Yeah, I mean, they they did it all through violent. Acts. Yeah, it's 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 weird because you know it's got its reputation as a melting pot, hasn't it? And um, you know, it's built yeah. on basically you know immigration, you know, back in the day. Um, right. And um, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's just that people that travel are kind of you know really nice or broad-minded or whatever, but most of the Americans I meet are absolutely lovely. Um, um, I haven't been to America for about five years myself. Last time I went, I went to New York. Um, but, um, yeah, but then you've got this, this whole other side, some of the political reports you see, you know, on the internet are just so depressing and distressing and mind bogglingly wrong that you can't, it's difficult to deal with it. (laughs) It's difficult to deal with it. And you just try and help as much as you can, you know? And that's, you know, thinking, I think that's why there's so much, fantasizing going on as as we always do and back when you know when people lived in fear of atomic bombs dropping they that it was you know a a new birth at that time because uh, we had science fiction in the victorian age but you know there was a whole new birth of science fiction um coming out of you know the fear of the the nuclear bombs and um you know, we're sort of living through yet another birth. Yeah, that's true. Where, um, you know, we've, it's like everybody is dreaming and fantasizing about having superpowers, even if it was, you know, super intelligence or tele telekinesis or, or the new things like being able to talk to machines and computers and hack anything. And, um, you know, it's stuff that we dream of because there's, there's no other way to rebel and feel like you have any yeah. power. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's like a reaction, isn't it, to what's and, going on around you? Yeah. A lot of the stuff that goes on into Death Sentence is very much a kind of satirical kind of take on the politics of the time. Um, and um, yeah, try and try and well, yeah, you could t- try you and could lampoon uh, the right kind of people in power, but at the same time. Um, still tell us a good story i'm not really a preachy writer but uh it's there if you're if you're attuned to it you know (laughs) exactly and that's why you know and that's why i think verity has has always been my standout favorite character because she's so subtle even though she's got this incredibly powerful ability she herself is like i just yeah and you know and then there's, you know, someone else would take, you know, takes it in the other direction. It was like, I have this power. I'm going to be famous as fuck and I'm going to get laid yeah. constantly. And yeah, like, yeah. You know, and, and so everybody has their own. Yeah, we've seen stories like that before, though. And I think that's the key thing by taking her character in this way. And as you say, a lot of what she does and the way she behaves it is quite, quite subtle. I mean, she's a very real character. Um, you know, I know lots of people like Verity. Um, she's not based on any one person, but you could say that she's an amalgam of, you know, 
like maybe 10 or so people that I've met over over the last 10 years. Um, and she's got a lot of myself in there as well. You know, I just wanted to be an artist when I was writing this. I just wanted to be an artist and I couldn't because I had to work for a living, you know, and that's the, that's the thing that most people deal with. So I think it's something that a lot of people can empathize with, um, you know, all the compromises you have to make in your life to get on. Um, and you just want to do this one thing that uh, you feel maybe rightly, maybe wrongly is going to make you happy. So, so, uh, I try and put a lot of my own kind of feelings and emotions into verity as well. Well, we have, um, a, a character in death sentence who is going through, I mean, we've mentioned that Verity is, is pregnant, but she doesn't know it, but we, you've got, it's, uh, I think it's Weasel, yeah. his dad and, and things aren't, um, they're not happy and shiny and all full of rainbows and no, things. poor weasel. Um, and poor weasel. Um, so, you know, but you, you know, you've mentioned that, that you're a parent and stuff. So how, how does it all influence? How do you find time? How do you find the stamina? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was worried about that before uh, we had our daughter, but I actually found uh, it was probably made me more inspired. Um, once obviously you've got the time thing that you need to spend you know a lot of time looking after a baby and uh, doing sort of practical things but um um i actually found that i was so inspired by kind of watching this new life kind of evolve and learn before my eyes and do all these incredible things i think a lot of that went into because how the virus develops because when people get the virus, they've they've got they know nothing about it because the government are kind of suppressing a lot of the information about about the true nature of the virus, um, and they're kind of like learning and evolving um, sort of day to day, and it's it's scary how quickly kids change and how quick they pick things up and how quickly they can do things that you would never think were possible, um, and I think a lot of that probably went into that side of writing the the comic. Um, and then, um, yeah, I just found it a very inspiring time. Um, new life is inherently kind of inspiring, I think. So I was, I was probably extra creative and extra kind of, um, productive sort of, uh, after my, my daughter was born. Um, I guess it helped that the comic was starting to sort of be successful as well. So that's also, that's also exciting. So do you have a schedule that you yeah well actually for one of the reasons why i started making comics is because i wanted to, to have a sort of a creative job that fitted in with family life um and i wanted to be around a lot to sort of do things with my daughter to sort of you know um uh give her milk and to sort of uh, look after her and to do the potty training and to you know just uh my wife went back to work after six months so so i was um doing a lot of the kind of looking after her when she was um my wife was back at work um and um you know just doing all that family stuff you know i take her to school i take her to you know all the gym classes and swimming and all that kind of stuff i take her to, take her to the library just hang out with her a lot because she's really entertaining you know she's my She's, uh, you know, an absolute love of my life. So, um, so it's just a wonderful thing to have that flexibility that, um, you know, I do, 
at least eight hours work, you know, every day. But you can sort of do maybe an hour before she gets up. Then you can make her breakfast, take her to school. Then you've got like until three o'clock when you've got to go and pick her up. Then we usually sort of, you know, I make a dinner, have a chat, do some homework, you know, maybe watch something or play play a game or something. And then um, my wife will come home about maybe six. And then um, I, I make my wife some dinner. And then after that, I'll go and do some more work. And I can work, you know, depends what I'm doing. Sometimes I do like a couple of hours and then we'll go, I'll go and do, do something and hang out with my wife for a bit. Um, or um, I might sort of work on until like the early hours of the morning. You know, you've got like a good um, six hours or so, you know, after, you know, my, my daughter starts going to bed and you can sort of stay up and get loads done. I always work best late at night anyway. don't know. Your mind seems to be calmer somehow. So, um, yeah, it works pretty well. I mean... Uh, when it, deadlines are really tight, you can do sort of like twelve-hour days, but still sort of do a lot of family stuff, you know, during during the day because you're just fitting it in before and after, um, and a little bit during. Um, so, um, and it helps as well that if you're dealing with an American company, you know, they tend to be wanting to talk to you sort of in the evening, sort of after dinner, because that's when their sort of work day is. Yeah, so so it kind of yeah. it's kind of kind of works quite well. Well, and let's, um, you, you sort of mentioned about, you know, having a 12 hour day and how do you take care of that? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's something that, you know, it does come up and, and artists and writers, um, they're, especially if they have full-time jobs on top of it and families, then they're crashing and burning out and their muscles and their joints and their they're just decaying no it's true it's a genuine problem uh, for all creative kind of people as well because especially when you're freelance and you're basically getting paid by what you produce so uh, there's that very great tendency to just sit there and keep doing it and doing it and doing it and that kind of works in the short term but in the long term it can really fuck you up so um yeah you've got to uh got to uh think about the other side of things so i mean i've got it badly wrong times i mean sometimes you just have to crunch You've got no choice, um, and that can leave you feeling pretty awful physically and mentally by the end of it. But, um, yeah, I try, even when I'm really busy now, even when I've got really, really, like, stiff deadlines, I'm I'm aware that I'm actually going to get the most work done by having a break and going and doing something else, going and doing some stretches or just sort of lying down and resting my back or um going for a walk or i go running a lot these days just because i find running is something you can just get up and go and do you don't have to plan it you don't have to pay anybody anything you just sort of uh you know get up from your chair put your trainers on and go out for a run so um i do a lot of running these days i got into marathon running after a while because i was just finding that um just pounding the same sort of sort of distances was getting a bit boring so um start you start sort of working towards goals over the year you know sort of like right i'm gonna sort of do a marathon in six months time so you sort of plan out a whole schedule and you have to stick to it which is really good discipline because it means you can't you can't just stand there and, and just sit there and just work for like, all day every day you have to get out and go and do something else so so um yeah i find all, all that kind of stuff helps i still get it wrong sometimes i still had a lot of um 
back trouble earlier in the year just because I was doing too many hours. It's hard because I'm at the moment I'm writing, I'm drawing, I'm lettering, and I'm also trying to like market the books to people and let them know about them online, which is a very very intensive thing, you know, through uh, whether you're doing it um, through comic shops or or through crowdfunding. It sort of like uh, takes a lot of time. So um, yeah, you can end up working some quite long days sometimes, no doubt. Yeah, but I'm uh, I'm glad to hear that it, you've you've found it. And plus, like you said, having a, a child sort of forces you. Yeah, you have to go and play football know. in the garden with her or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you have to. Like you have you have no choice. You have this other thing that's depending on. Yeah, you, so you need yeah, to it's good. To, yeah, and you have like regular and, meal times. I remember when I was first freelancing when I was a, sort of left school. Um, I basically became an nocturnal creature. I would basically work all night and I'd sleep all day. And after a while, I mean, that was fine at first, but after like six months, it was really, really unhealthy because you couldn't maintain a relationship with anybody because you were never, you were all about, you know, the work. So I think having that uh, structure of like, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner and bedtimes and all that kind of stuff, it really, I found it very helpful as far as, you know, fitting in with a creative creative world and a creative life. That's great. Yeah. I think that's important. She has so many but, great um, ideas as well. I mean, I, the way kids' I, minds work and the way they sort of get excited about things and the crazy ideas they have. Yeah, it's really amazing. I, yeah. It's like, what happened to that yeah. imagination? Like, I think that's the key you know, it's like, to, to a lot of creative stuff is, um, I think to a lot of people, it just gets sort of beaten out of you and, people sort of tell you that it's pointless or that it's kind of, there's no, uh, or it's silly or uh, it's not good enough. I think a lot of people worry about when they create stuff that it's not good enough. And I always say to my daughter, just, just, just enjoy creating it. Don't worry about what you think about it or what anyone else thinks about it. There's something magical about just creating and you don't have to be good at it. You just need to just, if you're enjoying it, that is worthwhile in itself. That is, you know, that's the magical thing. You know, we're all here for a finite amount of time. So if you can just sit down and truly enjoy something, whatever it might be, you know, drawing a picture or writing a story, then just do it. You know, just do it for that reason alone. Don't. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about it um, or even ultimately what you think about it because that will stop you creating if you if you kind of put too much emphasis on that side of things just enjoy doing it it's i i've seen the and i have to say kids because they it is seeming younger and younger the most talented cosplay come out of, it's like they just make stuff out of you know a whole yeah. bunch of tape and cardboard yeah. and foam and they've got these miraculous looking giant costumes that have to articulate and it's you know and and there's this good part to it where obviously the parents have to be there and say yes you can do this and yes you can watch this or consume this and then yes i will take you to the show and you know so i think that's really important that it's nurtured and and gives people creative yeah it's a really important part and it seems to be most people seem to have that in them when they're kids but it seems to um kind of uh, leave them as they get older for whatever reason and um, I'm very keen to encourage all the kids that I meet um, you know my daughter's friends and um, I do classes sometimes locally with um, 
school kids, you know, making comics and stuff. Um, and uh, just, you know, it's always inspiring just seeing what they create and how quickly they do it and how excited they are about it. And, uh, you know, even though you could say, like, right, I'm technically a better drawer than they are, I think I look at their stuff and think, like, damn, I need to up my game, you know, to have a, have ideas this good and <laughs> to be this kind of fluid and kind of, uh, um, you know, quick in my imagination. It's sort of um, – I always get a lot out of it, you know, um, working with uh, kids and watching kids kind of draw and write and things. <clears throat> It's so true, and 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 people that are still just able to do that as adults, it's I I'll look at some of these work, you know works, and it's it'll be the most ludicrous character, you know, like uh, well, there was you know, the probably the most famous one nowadays is Axe <laughs> Cop, it, it, but it's like you know or you know Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and stuff like like. Like, oh, what if this kid just happens to have a dinosaur pet? Like, you know, I, my brain wouldn't necessarily think of that. My brain's going to be like, oh, sure, this person <laughs> has a cat because cats are real and I know how that works. And, you know, but I, you know. I yeah, well, that was Jack it. Kirby's you know, great talent was he just dinosaur. he just churned out all these brilliant ideas. And, well, actually, a lot of them, a lot of them weren't brilliant. Bizarre. I think the thing was he just churned out so many ideas that uh, so many characters that, yeah. um, you know, stuff. the good ones stuck. And um, there's a lot to be said for that yeah. kind of that kind of approach. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And and so uh, I did want to talk oh, about yeah, the roots, yeah. roots um, before you, before you have to run away because she's um, she's a black character. I don't know if uh, if there's any other ethnicity. Yeah, she's black. She's um, Muslim. She's a criminal. She's um, trying to protect initially, like her, you know, estate. Um, from um, the sort of military kind of police and the incursions that are coming into that part of London trying to control the, the G-plus virus. So she starts off just from that kind of selfish kind of like, I want to protect, you know, my my my, my home and my friends and my family and, and uh, my business. And then it kind of, she kind of evolves from there as, as she realizes, you know, the extent of what she can do and how powerful she's kind of becoming. She kind of like evolves her approach over the course of the graphic novel. So it's quite a, I think all the characters, I think the important thing with all the characters is they've always got to be sort of growing and changing in some way. And obviously it's never the same way. Each character has a kind of different path. Um, but, um, and right. some are going to end up well and some are going to um, end up, in ways that you weren't necessarily expecting. So, um, yeah, she's just a, a... Well, I I would love plant powers. I yeah, yeah, totally. It's like an inherently creative thing, isn't it? To just suddenly be able to nurture sort of new life greenery all around you. Um, right. So, yeah, and about halfway through the graphic novel, Verity and Roots kind of meet, and um, they're obviously quite different backgrounds. So it's quite interesting seeing you know how they get on and um um they've obviously got the fact that they're they're both suffering from the same virus and they're both being oppressed in the same way so that kind of brings them together in ways that perhaps it wouldn't have otherwise so yeah there's uh, some good good scenes with them both together kind of coming up in the in the graphic novel 
It's amazing. And of course, um, Martin, I don't know if you had had much to say in, in the character design Martin created. The yeah, well, the way that Death Sentence happens so far is I, I design the characters and I write the scripts. So I just sort of give um, Martin a, a kind of a picture and a kind of, you know, a scene or a description of, you know, what this character is going to be doing and where they're going and stuff. Um, and then uh, we go from there. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I've, um, I don't think I've, oh yeah, I've just done a, I've just done a new series that's out later this year, um, which I'm really excited about. It's kind of got the same kind of energy as Death Sentence. Um, it's kind of a, a team book um, and it's called um, uh, Frenemies. So yeah, it's with a really oh, wow. talented artist called uh, Yishan Lee. He did um, a comic called Paradox Girl, and also um, she's done stuff for DC, and she's doing something uh, for um, Image at the moment uh, called Sugar. Um, she's a really, really fantastic artist, and um, yeah, she she I wanted to work with her because I just knew that I didn't need to design the characters because the way she draws, I just love the way she draws, and I just I literally just said, look. These are the characters that I want to make. Very, very sort of brief descriptions. And she just almost almost immediately just sent me back drawings of them all that were perfect. I think there was a couple where I said, like, oh, maybe modify this kind of this thing or that thing. But they were very, very minor. Um, and uh, that's the beauty of working with someone way more talented than yourself. Because it would have taken me absolutely ages to sort of design all these characters, and I wouldn't have done it as good anyway. Um, I wouldn't have done it in that style, which is the style that I wanted. Um, it's just a brilliant, brilliant talent. So um, the characters, just you just look at them, and you just they just sort of sell themselves. They sell the book. You just look at them and think, oh, oh I want that. <laughs> so so that's um, it's going to come out probably at the end of the year. Um, and... Um, very very excited about that because uh, she's a she's a real real talent and a real force of nature. That's yeah, and it's funny because I do have sugar in my to be read pile because volume one came out um, gosh, yeah. back in July, and um, and I've been neglecting my to be read pile because I've been reading a lot of uh, a lot of uh, like nonfiction books. Oh yeah, what are you studying? And whatnot. But um, um, well, I've been uh, yoga training doing oh, training cool. and so i i have my i have my first my first level yeah you've got to know what about the body and how it works haven't you yeah so i there's just always so much to read and i've been reading some other just like fun stuff about um about magic and um reading a memoir right now that is devastating about an indigenous woman from canada and how horrible the because she was to trying to do magic or um, because she was a woman or what was that no, no, this no, this was just a this is just a straight up, you know, how they treated the indigenous oh, yeah. people in the sixties and they scooped they scooped up the children and put them in white homes and the white oh, homes Jesus. were terrible. And, you know. So I'm just like reading this memoir and it's like so hard and there's so much violence and terrible things yeah. happening to this poor woman. And I'm like, Oh so I do so I have been neglecting my comics, but um but I've been when I can when I get the chance I do read some good stuff at, uh, like the wilds. I don't know if you've read the wilds, but it's um, talking about <laughs> plant, you know, yeah. strange plant things. The cool, wilds is a good one. 
Yeah. Crowded is, is a fun one because it's sort of it's talking about Kickstarter, like, um, you know, you could crowdfund somebody's assassination. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not a great idea in real yeah, life. It's yeah. a great so, idea for a story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the long con is a funny one where people get into a comic con and then the apocalypse <laughs> is building. Yeah. And so, and so they're you know they're in there and they're like they're doing their own thing and they're like, hmm, yeah, what happened here? That and sounds like it's like got some walking... crossover with my uh, like comic a... that I'm doing with Yishan because all the char- all the main characters in it are COD players. So, so, um, oh, fantastic. Yeah, there might be some crossover oh. there with uh, some of the dialogue and stuff. Yeah. It'd be so funny. Yeah. yeah. Cal Exit, which is, of course, very political about, uh, you know, California is constantly threatening to oh, right. America. Um, you know, so that's a serious, cool. deep one. Um, but yeah, I do like, I do like lightening up the mood with fun stuff like the long con and crowd yeah. and valiant high, you know, silly stuff to just, make my brain yeah, really happy yeah <laughs> you just want to get some kind of emotional reaction I, 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 as long as a comic moves me in some way makes me laugh or scares me or uh, yes you know, oh. engages your emotions in some way that's really what i'm looking for well seriously because like you said it is so much harder to make something uplifting than it yeah. is to make something yeah yeah it is um especially if you're trying to do it in a way that doesn't seem cheesy or whatever um but um yeah, yeah. I, I like I like reading that kind of stuff. And um it's like you say, it's um it's not it's not easy to find. Um I mean my thing was just a short story. It's uh it's a short story in the X Men annual for this year that was um called Why I Love the X Men. Um and it's actually got it's got my daughter in it. So um I'm quite proud that I've actually managed to make a part of the Marvel universe. So uh She's got her own page on the wiki, wiki, you know, the Marvel Wikipedia and stuff. Because she's in, the, she's in this, she's in this story. That is so cool. Um, and it was quite easy to write as well because I could just sort of nick a lot of the things that she says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, you must be like the coolest dad. I always say this to to the you know the the dads and moms that I talk to that that are you know, it's like you must be so much fun on like, you know, career day. Like Katie Cook was, was talking about like, you know, her, her kids are in school now and stuff. And she's like, so, you know, like this one parent came in with this really terrible sounding job. And it's like, who gives a shit? And she's like, she's like, I think I need to write to the vice principal and just go, just so you know, here's what I do. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, I draw cute little Star Wars comics. That's cool. and <laughs> Yeah, I'm like that. That must be the you know, you, you get to be the most popular kid. When yeah, I don't think it hurt her street it. credibility at school. I don't think it hurt it definitely, but um, yeah, try not to go on about it too much because you know, um, she's already. I mean, she's very happy at school. She's uh, she's doing really well. So I just try and stay yes. in the background as much as I can and just help her, help her with her uh, homework or whatever. It's not past me yet because I know that I don't even I don't even understand anymore. She's starting to come out with things where you just think, What? (laughs) But um, no, luckily I can still still keep up. They're very good at the school. They brought us in actually to explain how they're teaching maths now. Because they didn't want us looking at the you know, homework and then saying, Look, well that's not how you do it or I don't understand that. So they they actually gave us a class and uh, they taught us the maths in the same way that they're teaching them. And you just thought like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. That's really quite clever. 
I get it. <laughs> I wish I had a teacher like that. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I don't even remember the formula. No, photos maths photos was never my strong point. So, so, I, so yeah. I was glad for the extra tuition. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can remember um, a square equals b square plus c square, and beyond that, I don't. Yeah, someone started. Someone started talking about trigonometry to me the other day, and it was just like I do remember all these terms, but I can no longer recall what they do. Yes, you know the tan and the cosine and all this stuff. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, yeah, I remember that, but I've got no application for it at all. I need to go and pick that up again. I don't, yeah, I don't even remember the order. No, I'm going to have to go look this up and then pretend to my daughter that I knew it all along. (laughs) Yeah. Genius dad. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, But yeah, so I think, yeah, so we were, you know, thinking about photosynthesis and the plant powers and all these cool characters. And I'm like, it requires so much research. Yeah, it's fun though. I mean, I'm always reading. Um, So I I often put a lot of... uh, it's a good way of learning about the world, isn't it? You know, whether it's autobiography or nonfiction or fiction, um, you can learn a hell of a lot about the world. I love listening to the radio as well. You get a lot of, um, good radio shows on the BBC in the UK. Um, especially stuff like from our own correspondent, which has like sort of, you know, six reports from different places around the world, every, every sort of episode, but they're not like the main headline grabbing stories. They tend to be more like sort of, um, you know, sort of, behind the scenes or sort of a slice of life stuff about what's really going on in those countries so yeah, i've always listened to that show that's really 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 good um yeah especially yeah. when you're sitting working all day you know it, it drawing does, and stuff you know, so it's great to have the radio on yeah. while you're doing that it gives you ideas i mean there was something i read some strange thing and it was so long ago and i did jot it down somewhere as a writing note that there they were somehow incorporating spinach into like mm. healing skin, like, like as like graft or grafting somehow. It had something, I don't know, something wow. like spinach DNA. And I don't know how it works or anything because I'm not a scientist. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, this is the most brilliant thing ever. I'm going to put this aside. Not that I'll ever get to write a poison yeah. ivy story, but maybe someday. And, you know, or get to yeah. make my own character like you have with roots. And, you know, and, you you know, you get to throw in these little things that are fascinating and true. And yet they seem surreal and, and like, you know, completely yeah. creatively. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the ideas that I had, I wrote, uh, the first thing I did for Marvel was an X-Men story. And um, it was based on this thing that I'd read about in Nigeria, where you get these like heavy metal fans all decked out in full kind of like black leather studs with kind of cowboy hats and like massively into like heavy metal. And they're just in the middle of this like really hot kind of like African sort of town um, sweating profusely, but it's like a really big scene for these, like uh, these, these, these heavy metal fans. And I thought, Oh, it'd be really cool to do like a character like that. Um, So that when storm goes to Africa, she doesn't get all these kind of cliched African stereotypes. She gets like to meet this kind of like really kind of freaky heavy metal character. Um, and uh, I think that was a really good idea. But unfortunately, by the time the artist had finished drawing it, it just ended up looking like a generic kind of Marvel villain kind of thing. So and at that stage, when it's your first story, you don't really have the power to say like, no, don't do that. Uh, do the heavy metal character. It'd be much more interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd still like to 
develop that more if I if I get the chance. Hmm. That'd be really cool. Well, let's uh, inform the people. Even though I know Death Sentence has done really well in its funding, let's. Like, where can people keep following and sponsoring and getting information? Because you have Hollow Monsters, like yeah. Well, if you just uh, have a look on Kickstarter for Death Sentence uh, Liberty, which is the name of the the new uh, comic series, we're just currently funding issue one, which is uh, got ten days left to go. Um, and, um, yeah, it'd be great to get some new readers to check out the, the comic. It's, uh, a comic where you can just pick up the first issue and, uh, know exactly what's going on and who the characters are. And I love that kind of writing. I think it's part of the skill of doing sequential work is, you know, you pick up an issue and you don't have to sort of spend ages trying to figure out who people are or what's going on. It's kind of like all there for you um right from the right from the start so so um yeah that's that's ongoing and then um uh you can just follow the other stuff that i'm doing mainly on twitter i guess is where i post the most uh monty nero m-o-n-t-y-n-e-r-o um and then also on facebook there's um a death sentence comic page and there's a hollow monsters comic page um, where you can sort of um, just catch up on any news and events to do with those particular comics. And then I've got a website, montenero.com, but don't tend to update it that often, only when something like really big happens maybe. So uh, I should probably get get um, better at, at updating that. But, um, yeah, I tend to use more the sort of uh, Facebook and the Twitter and the Instagram. Yeah, that's typical though because they're so much easier. And you just... Yeah, it's quite live and, you know, you know you can interact with people and uh so on and so forth um yeah so that's that's me uh what are you up to tell me about where to find your stuff oh yeah well um so the weekly stories everything goes ends the up cat detectives the cat detectives yeah everything ends up at amberunmask.com um but the patreon backers do get the if you can hear that sound in the background that's the cat being nosy right now and digging through bags um, <laughs> i just got back from vacation so he's digging through all the bags looking for presents um, cats are always on vacation though every every yeah. day is a vacation to the cat <laughs> that's the beauty yes. of cat life yeah he he loves it he's a he's a good boy and so we have adventures we go out for a walk every day usually and and have well, you got a lead have you got a lead yeah. boy oh yeah, all right he's, he's, yeah he's really good on it um the other one goes in a buggy but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wild. It's so wild. He loves his buggy, but Gus loves to walk on his leash. And uh, we go into the woods and we meet the chipmunks. And so I write Sweet. stories. So I, I've tried to do exactly what you're saying, like put myself in the mind of a child and think, if I was seeing this and I was seven years old or five years old, what, you know, this seeing chipmunks would be so magical and fascinating. And I, you know, like, I would make stories about this. So I've, so I've just tried to like adult up the stories, if you will. And yeah. there's, uh, so there's a chipmunk mafia. Yeah. And, uh, so they, yeah. So there's a whole criminal organization here between like the chipmunks and the squirrels are the Supreme court. And uh, uh, so that's, so this stuff gets put out every week. And, yeah. Uh, awesome. And yeah, I see, and I, I just, make- I just Googled this yeah. stuff and I see you've got YouTube videos as well. And, yeah like so that. i've got silly you know i i get same thing as you like i put little like you know the in the meantime daily vignettes go up on instagram and, yeah uh, 
and then uh, hopefully, um, so I'm going to self-publish Bare Roots and uh, that'll be the next novel that, that comes out. And then hopefully I will get my shit together and outline uh, another novel for cool. to, to work on for, for the winter. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck with so, it. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for asking. Yeah, it's um, lovely chatting to you. Yeah. Um, so I I know that you your wife will be coming home any minute. So. Yeah. Well, um, I, I he's going to dinner ready for her. Um, yeah, it's it's always good chatting to you. You've got an excellent radio voice. You know, you could see. Uh, you know, you're good at this in ways that I'm not. The reason why I like. Uh, making comics is i can just express myself to people through you know the pages and the writing and the drawing i, I don't not as good at talking but uh hopefully it's been entertaining for people i'm sure it has people love to learn about uh, about the behind the scenes yeah comics. yeah me too and, yeah i listen to a lot of podcasts yeah. and stuff and, yeah. Yeah. The, craft, the craft of story is always important yeah absolutely yeah well hopefully we'll get to chat again sooner than last time I agree. I agree. Thank you so much, Monty. Cool. Thank you, Amber. Thank you. I'll uh, I'll say goodbye now. Uh, cheers. See ya. Bye.